This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And we're live. What's up, guys? Welcome to the very first episode of Kind of Funny Studio Ghibli Miyazaki in Review. That's right. We are ranking and reviewing every movie written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki. I'm very, very, very excited about this. And I know many of you are as well. There was so much demand for this in review. This and Nolan were two of the most popular, most demanded in reviews of all time. Uh, And we're doing both of them at the same time every week, Tuesdays and Fridays. Tuesday, Nolan. Friday's Miyazaki right here live on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. If you want to watch later, you can do that on youtube.com slash kind of funny or roosterteeth.com. If you want to listen, you have that option as well. Just search for kind of funny reviews on your favorite podcast service and we'll be there for you. Uh, if you want to get the show ad free, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny. You get both shows. That's fantastic. You get Nolan and Miyazaki, both ad free, and you can be a Patreon producer like Mohammed Mohammed and Al Tribesman. We appreciate all of you very much. I also appreciate Carter Harrell for making the music in the intro to this, and of course, Cameron Kennedy making the video. We now have the dream team going forward. They the two of them will be making all the intros for in review and they're bringing the heat they're bringing the hotness as always i'm tim gettys joined by kevin coelho oh oh andy cortez uh kev can we maybe get nick cropped a little bit better the no, beard the beard just isn't in frame yeah it looks like nick needs help tim needs a little help <laughs> there, there, there's some issues i don't know people That's move fine. around you know it's fine kev. move it's around up. Okay. And joining us for the entire run of this series, which is very, very, very exciting, Ubisoft's own Belinda Garcia. Yay. So excited to be here for 11 weeks. Yep. Every Friday. (laughs) We got months of this for both Nolan and Miyazaki. We're strapping in, and it's people are saying, word in the street is that this is about to be the highest quality run of in review that we've ever had in terms of movies. So we'll see. I don't know if it's going to match up to X Men, but. Maybe, maybe. One can. Tim, one you know? can. Yeah, it's a, it's a very. Remember, good remember? Do you remember Basketball Boy? Mm-hmm. The 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 I, classic Basketball I miss, Boy. I miss that little fucker. <laughs> Belinda, how are you doing? Great, great. Busy, busy week, as you all probably know. But I'm excited to talk about Lupin today. Have you seen this one before? No, I saw it last night for the first time, and I really, really enjoyed it. So we talked to uh, over the last couple of weeks about like all the rest of our kind of history with these Ghibli movies, which kind of seems like none of us have seen all of them. Um, yeah. and in fact, I think Kevin has seen the most probably. I've only seen like two. Andy, where you at? Three. Nick. I think I, I don't think I've seen any of them, honestly, except for Cagliostro, which I watched mo- many, many years ago and have watched many times since. Have you seen the so, My so. Neighbor Totoro? No. I feel like I've heard you talk about that. No, I just I know the name and I know oh. the art from it, and I think yeah. it's funny. But yeah, I, yeah. I I mean, 
I think I've sat down to watch Spirited Away a bunch of times and just never – it just, just didn't materialize for some reason. Like I queued it up and then something took think, me away from it. I haven't seen Spirited Away and the, the latest one. But me and Paula like recently, maybe like six months ago, watched uh, most of them. We went through cool. and just watched most of them except for this I'm, one. I'm super excited. I, I yeah. love – I mean I, I just – I love all of the – the quality and animation and as somebody who grew up wanting to do that it just always blows me away the level of detail and love that gets put into just here this uh, environment this uh cityscape or this like field is going to be on screen for two seconds and it's like the most intricate painting you've ever yeah, seen like there's, there's, there's Melinda. Melinda, what about what what's about what about you when it comes to these movies i think i've seen most of them i didn't i haven't seen nausicaa i haven't seen cagliostro and i think and I haven't seen Ponyo, and I think those are the three that I haven't I, seen. Belinda, I think if you've seen one castle, you've seen them all, right? Castle in the Sky, Castle Cagliostro. Do you guys know that? A fun fact is that they're all the same castle design. Oh, wow. Is that true? Is there a theory that connects all of them? That's not true at all. Okay, thank you. No, but I want to riff off of something Andy said earlier, which was that like there are so many multiple – there's multiple moments in Castle Cagliostro where they just take a second for you to just look around and they don't need to do that. And, and to Andy's point, like it took resources. There's one specifically that always stands out and I love it because it's just a moment of like reflection and relaxation before the action really kicks in. And it's where they get the flat tire and Lupin's just mm-hmm. staring at the horizon. Like he's just staring out at the, uh, at the sky. We see a bird fly by and then there's another shot of this gorgeous panoramic scenery shot. And I'm like, that must've taken someone weeks to make this and you know and we nice. and you didn't need it to be in there but it's so beautiful that i just want to be in that world for a second the the facts i got for this one are are pretty crazy and shocking because that everything you guys just said is so true there's a captain christian youtube video he, he's my favorite video so essay good. guy um about miyazaki's movies and like what makes them special and it, he really kind of focused on the sound design um and how how much of a character just that alone mm-hmm. is but combined with how it's never just about the foreground art it's also about the background art and characters and he compared it to disney movies and he showed specific scenes where it's like you see uh hunchback in Notre dame or beauty and the beast mm-hmm. and it's like watch this scene and when you watch it it's beautiful and you're focusing on bell and whatever's happening it's like cool now focus on the background as this is going and it's just like faceless cg like noise like it's not it's nothing at all whereas then he compares to any of these studio ghibli movies and there's so many every single background character has a personality and has something going on and what's shocking about this is this entire movie was made in four months that's crazy four months so today we're talking about the castle of cagliostro uh the alt title is lupin the third castle of cagliostro released on december 15th 1979 uh, the American theatrical debut was on April 3rd, 1991, uh, with the home release following the following year. Wow, that's uh, a long first... time. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Wait, um, Sam, sorry, say that been... again? That was 1991? Mm-hmm. In theaters, it came out in 92 in America, 1979 originally in Japan. Oh, crazy. Okay. But they were kind of yeah. trying to chase that Disney high of the, mm-hmm. the right. Renaissance. Um, but there was two dubs for this done, and there's a lot of weird licensing stuff. So Lupin, in, in general, is a manga series, anime series, like kind of just a, a character. Like it's a franchise, and mm-hmm. um, you kind of see in this this movie. This is the second Lupin movie, actually, um, but this is the directorial debut of Miyazaki. But uh, it's taking the characters and world of Lupin and just kind of making a movie out of it. And 
like like Kev, we were talking before the show, but like these the characters introduced in this are in the entire series. So it's kind of like uh, like Zenny Zenigati is that his name? Zenigata. He's kind of like Team Rocket. He's cool. you know what I mean. Like, just always <laughs> well, chasing. No, I mean he's stuff. like he's he's the good cop that's trying to like right. He's he's not a dick cop. He's trying no, to catch. He's, he's legitimately a good inspector. He just yeah. but 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 you kind of get the vibe in this, and I love like I love the ending moment in this where he's like he's like i gotta go after him because he wants to because he's he likes having the challenge and he actually kind of likes wolf despite the fact that he acts outwardly that he hates him you know it's that fun like back and forth dynamic of like you're breaking the law but i respect it dude it's like um, the rock it's the rock and vin diesel dude exactly like exactly. you know the rock's like you just gotta team up sometimes like, yeah i love it dude <laughs> but yeah so the movie had uh two dubs and the the biggest reason for that is that uh there's a lot of weird licensing situations going on with loop in itself of uh, the IP holder, like the creator of Lupin, uh, didn't want certain things being said or done or whatever. And what what happened with that is for a long time, they lost the license to the name Lupin and they couldn't say Lupin, which is why in the Netflix version we watched, they call him the wolf. Like mm-hmm. you never hear which the word cool Lupin. Too. They, they could have the yeah. logo, but they couldn't say it, <laughs> which is weird. So they called him the wolf, which was a uh, kind of loose translation from Rupin which is wolf in Japanese. Mm. So it's like, that's and how they Lupin got is, there. I think Lupin means wolf in Italian in, as well. Greek too, right? Roman. One of a those. lot of wolves then. Yeah. Too many wolves. Uh, but the interesting thing for me is we watched, if, if we watched on Netflix, which I think we all did, um, that is the first dub, actually, which is why it says wolf and it has all that stuff. Uh, and like, there's a lot more mistranslations than... It's a um, lot of second, mistranslations. Than the second. <laughs> yeah, because if you watch with the subtitle, English subtitle. Oh, it's so bad. It's very it's different. so bad. Um, but well, people actually like the the dub of this one. Uh, I, I like watch. the dub for the performances like the and the voices too. that they cast. I think it's great. But I clicked over. I've seen the the dub so many times that when I was doing the notes for this, periodically I just I was like, that's a really weird thing for them to say. And I'd click back over to the original Japanese with subtitles. Way different. I watched yeah, the way dub. different. Where where they're just it's way more um, noir and it's way more written a little bit more like straightforward to the characters. A lot less romancy weird and kind of cre- cringy and creepy in moments yeah uh, I, I, switched the- o- I switched over to the sub just because of how different it, it wasn't just word differences or semantics it was the, the complete sentences were just written like whole context is totally different, different. Yeah. yeah like uh, and it was too different for me to want to watch it the whole time that way so i just switched over to the sub yeah so there's the one moment dub that they did is a lot more faithful uh, to the actual Japanese context and all of it, and Lupin's voice in the other David dub. Hater, David fucking Hater, oh, Solid Snake himself, really? <laughs> which is cool. So funny. It's so funny because I, when I was a, when I was younger, um, I saw I think this original dub because I, I I can't remember, but I remember seeing this in the '90s. I had the VHS of this. Uh, my my buddy and I would just like uh, we would buy VHS of just random anime that we found at like Sam Goody because that was the only place that sold anime in the nineties. <laughs> and we Sam just every, every like couple weeks when we had money we would just we, I we'd go and randomly pick movies out based literally on the cover. Um, and I remember buying this, being like, "This sounds cool. Like it's about a thief and it looks kind of fun." And the, the main character reminded me of Jim Carrey at the time, so I was like, "I think this could be cool." <laughs> I, think, I love Jim Carrey. <laughs> and, uh, I, think my, I think my buddy um, bought like Full Metal Alchemist or something like that, and so we would trade. But I remember watching this, and I was like, "Holy shit! I hit the jackpot." This is, I I, th- I just thought it was really really good, and it wasn't until like literally twenty years later. When we when I when we did started doing kind of funny and I started like like talking about it on camera, people were like, you know, that's like one of like held in really really high regard. And I was like, I had no idea. I just thought I was a stupid kid and like 
you know, I just picked it randomly out of the bunch. I rem- I'll never forget. It was in 2015. It was when we first started kind of funny and we were at the Greg's old house and we were at the uh, kitchen table. It was just me and you while they were doing Colin and Greg live. And you're just like, have you ever seen this castle of Cagliostro? And I, was, I thought it was the most random thing for Nick Scarpino to bring up. <laughs> and I Google it. I was like, Lupin the third. I was like, what the fuck, Nick? Like, why would you have ever watched this? And then, yeah, you just had that moment where you realize like, it's a Miyazaki thing. And like, oh, shit, this isn't just something I watched when I was young. It's like actually like an important thing. Well, and it's important to note, too, because I've watched a few other of the Lupin movies. And unfortunately, there are uh, there are a lot of them out there that are lackluster. And I think it's because they're not Miyazaki. I think I think I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of context for Lupin, so I don't want to get torn apart by the the hardcore Lupin fans. Um, but I've tried watching. So there's, I think there's a ton of them on Amazon right now, and I think you can rent a few. Some of them might even be on Prime. They just don't have the same general charm. Sure. Yeah, you know uh, that that this one has. And I don't know if it's the story or potentially again. It might this might just be my first touchstone to Lupin in general. And again, I'm watching this with a metric ton of nostalgia going into it. Because I literally remember being like, my, my parents would, would they're like, we don't want to watch this movie anymore. You have to go upstairs to their room. And I had to put it in their VCR and just sit on my parents' bed and watch it again. Because they were like, we're tired of this kid watching this fucking movie over and over so again. You were like 10, right? Uh, I probably was four, like 12 or 13 maybe when this had This was probably junior high for me uh, when we when we started this like this right, entree into anime. Out, you know, this is like right around the time when like. We I mean, obviously the first movie that we found was Akira. That was the that was sort of the gateway drug for all of these things. Oh, yeah. And we were chasing that high. I mean, ever since you watch Akira, when you watch Akira and that's the first time you've ever seen an anime movie, you're chasing that high forever. You're like, I gotta find something better than this. <laughs> yeah. what? It's, it's it's difficult to to beat that one. But we that, watched that, like that, Ninja Scroll and Wicked City and a bunch of other cool crazy movies. You probably yeah, can't get now. That's that chasing that high is the same way I feel about Cowboy Bebop. Like that's one Bebop of the first, is another one. That's one of the first animes that I actually watched and then kind of felt like there's got to be something else out there as good as this and i feel like i never quite found it like everything else is like there's a lot of other really good stuff but i, I just feel like the the mix of everything in bebop was just incredible i had a blast with this movie i i thought this movie was really fun and weird at times and you know of course there's some like creepy japanese shit in there as well um with like well, the it's interesting. Did, like, you, did, you, did you read the sub or watch the dub sorry which I, one I, I i listened to this to the sub yeah you listen to i had sub. japanese audio with the with the got sub. it okay so yeah so like it's way creepier if you if you watch it in english wait what, what do you there's, think was creepy uh there's like the scene with the with the waitress where he was like being really creepy oh, with her there's yeah. a lot of weird shit but then also like the the monsters i was like what the fuck is happening i'm scared. scared like yeah. suits with cool. the fingers hold on before before scared. we get into our thoughts on this let me get through the the stuff here so uh this wasn't really well received in america and uh even in japan it like people liked it but it did not make much money uh in america otaku usa's uh review compared this shift to a james bond movie where james bond stayed at motel six and his bondmobile was a toyota camry that's perfect. That's a perfect. That is a perfect way to put it. Type this. of fiat. This guy's <laughs> it was a yeah. But anyways, yeah. this is uh, directed by Hayao Miyazaki, uh, born January fifth, nineteen forty-one. Still alive. Uh, Japanese animator, filmmaker, screenwriter, author, and manga artist. Uh, he's a co-founder of Studio Ghibli, a film and animation studio. Uh, he has attained international acclaim as a masterful storyteller and as a maker of animated feature films and is widely regarded as one of the most accomplished filmmakers in history of animation. Uh, Castle of Cagliostro marked his debut as a theatrical theatrical movie director, but he also was a writer, designer, and storyboardist on the movie. The budget was roughly $2 million. The box office was roughly $2.5 million. 
not good uh and a runtime of one hour and 40 minutes but yeah you can't put a price tag on art you know what i mean well that's the crazy um, thing like i was saying earlier with the because the film had such a tight production schedule the production only took four months uh, Miyazaki claimed he had to alter the script in post-production to complete the film on time for release. He never revealed what his original scripted idea was, uh, but he has expressed dissatisfaction with the completed film. And also the last fun fact I got for you here is uh, this is the only Miyazaki film to not have been scored by Joe Hisayashi, who mm. makes some dope shit. But the score for this is dope as fuck, too. So fun. I loved it. Um, I'll kick it off. I, lo- I love Go this for movie. It. I think it's, I mean, okay. again, I'm, I'm coming through with so much nostalgia, but there's such a, it's just so amazing to watch the tone they nail in this, which goes from like legitimately heartfelt to completely silly to like legit fun action. And it's, it's, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the actual like theme and the jazz score behind this, um, which I think just puts you immediately in that like we're in a 1970s james bond film and we're just gonna have so much fun and we're gonna see some crazy shit happen and they're gonna fight on a clock and and then you you take that but i think it was purposefully written or at least the character is so wonderfully done because he is sort of like the spy thief kind of motif but he's done on a budget but it's done purposefully where he doesn't need all the high-end gadgets like i'll never the moment that always stands out in my my mind on this which perfectly illustrates uh, Lupin in general is when he's sitting on top of the rooftop and he's trying to light the rocket and the rocket starts, it just starts falling know. down and he starts unspooling it and it stops for a second and then he goes we're okay and then he reaches down to get it and it ends up, and then it ends up with just him running down and like hopping on top of the building and then like hug, hugging the, the tower. <laughs> like, I love that running that. animation. That running it's animation so is so good. Like you can feel his speed picking up as he's like yeah. running down and like he can't yeah. control it. It's funny so when, well done. when uh, the sound that design, scene, I remember thinking like I've I've been there. Like I've ran that. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Where you run so fast, you're like fuck. I can't stop. I just have to keep running and hope I don't fall. <laughs> That's you that's, the shot. That's the Sean Finnegan racing video. No, it's you have to do it downhill. Or, else or you that's you that going from the kitchen to the office of the studio. Never. I'm always in control in those situations. But, totally. Yeah, but I just I just love this character and I think they nail it right. This character is it's, it's perfect because you don't know. You never know if he's got a plan or not. And if that plan in his brain, he's always like, it's going to work. But you're like, do you think that's going to work? And it's always just keeping you on your toes. And at the end, he just kind of comes up gold somehow, whether it's through cunning or cleverness or just sheer dumb luck or good natured luck. And that's there what I love. So about many character. moments where I like genuinely was like surprised, like when he ends up being the priest, like at the end, I was like, oh, snap, I didn't see that coming. And there's a lot of moments like that that I really what happened to the, What happened that's... to the real bishop? What'd they do with him? <laughs> <laughs> what was really fun for me somewhere. is like looking at this and because I mean, this is it's fucking old. I mean, 79. Mm-hmm. It's like to, to think about the animation going on around that time. It's like, yes, there's some Disney. There's a lot of Disney movies that predate that that have always wowed me of how intricate some of the elements can be. Like mm-hmm. even just looking at like Sleeping Beauty is like the background art of that is every single frame looks like Unbelievable. a painting. Like, just, right. I mean, in some ways it is. But um, I was really, really impressed because like there's so many elements of this that remind me of Scooby-Doo. And then you compare this mm-hmm. to Scooby-Doo, <laughs> like him revealing he's the person whatever, where I'm like, this is so impressive that it actually transcends and reminds me more of Mission Impossible than yeah. Scooby Doo, yep. even right. though it, I think it has more similarities to to the Scoobster, you know. Uh, one really minor thing that was like, oh, it's interesting the way they phrase that is the the Archbishop of the Vatican. That's just the Pope. Why don't they just call him the Pope? You know. <laughs> 
copyright Kev, copyright. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. And the other yeah. they live in, can't the Pope. <laughs> I'm just saying they might yeah. have murdered the Pope. Is all I'm saying. Uh, yeah. Again, I again I I had fun with this. I thought it was super stylish and and uh, um and and again at times really bizarre. Like uh, I, there's some moments in this movie where I didn't understand the reality of what the world this movie took place in <laughs> until it was kind of revealed towards the end that those creepy things were just people in suits. Armor, but yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I love the sort of the mythos behind this this place and. And how he tried to break in at one time, and also she was really young when he like looked. Hey, here's the thing: it wasn't when sexual was back like, then. That it was wasn't where sexual. I the it wasn't sexual dub. for him. Like he's not. Well, a what pro. happened, Belinda? In the dub, he says something like, "I turned the I turned the charm on, uh, but she was really young, or she was too young to see the charm." And I was like, "What?" And then that's but, when I stopped the dub. So the so problem, yeah, if the you problem that with part it. Back, by the way, sorry, just to, just to clarify, if you scroll that part back, that is not what he says in Japanese. Yeah, I was Japanese, like, there's. I thought I was a goner. That's all he says. He was like, yeah. I saw the, I saw this vision of this like angel, and I thought I was a goner, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, the, uh, the the I guess they should have made him look way younger there, right. and it would have like felt better. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think it was supposed yeah. to feel good though. Seventeen in the well, movie, yeah. I think she was supposed to like young. Yeah, she was yeah. nine, right? When he what is weird? Nine, yeah. It's weird because yeah. the way it ends, you get that sense where he's like, you know, he 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 says in the dub, he's like, I love you like a sister, like this. Right. But I'm like, I don't yeah. think that's. How you were setting this up, and with, yeah. with, and I feel like that might be just a sign of the times of like in America, there always has to be a weird romance shoehorned in. Where mm. and why I don't understand why he could just be like, I'm here to save her, and honestly, right. to get the treasure. Because because that, see, I'm on the other side. I think the American version handled it a little bit better. Like there might be one line I, I want with the exception of that. So I should say I should say that because like yeah because I feel like like the Japanese stuff there was some weird undertones and like just the way she was acting towards him where I was like in America they were like she like like a sister I love you like like a sister like they right. they clear it clear it up which I thought was well, kind of another thing the, about Lupin that's subs. important to to keep in mind is that uh, this movie is the only time that they kind of treat him like a good guy usually he's right. way more of a bad guy like he is a like in this movie he's like he's a thief but usually like he's actually a bad dude. Like he's a criminal, and um, that was part of the criticism for this movie, and why it kind of didn't do too great, even in Japan. Is they're like, well, this isn't Lupin. Mm, interesting. That's funny because my touchstone is that this is Lupin. That's why I think I probably had a negative reaction to some of those other movies that are out there. I don't remember him being ever like a necessarily a bad guy. I've seen two other movies uh, that he's in, and he's it's similar, but it's it's there. Those are a lot more um, geared toward the heist. Whereas I think this one's a little bit more about, you know, he him needing to save the princess because he owes her a debt because she saved him back in the day. And it has less to do. Like at the end of this one, he doesn't seem disappointed. In fact, I think he figured out what the prize was early on and realized that this the whole the whole thing is more about his like him illustrated to the world that he figured it out and what he can do than anything else. The prize was so random. Yeah. It's I weird. love it. I love it. That was like I, I rewinded. I was like, wait, did I miss something? Yeah, because that's that's kind of it's it comes out of nowhere in a movie that I feel like sets everything up very well, and like yeah. I love how complicated this is. Like, it looks like a kids movie, and it's like kids will enjoy it. But it's like I love that it's different than how we talk about Pixar movies, where it's like oh, kids and adults can enjoy it. It's like this kind of has like the twists and turns, and is set up, and and just the characters act in ways that I'm like, huh, like there's there's more going on here than just 
you know, kind of like save the princess, even though right. on the surface it looks like that. Well, I think, again, I'm sorry, I think what I was trying to say a little bit there, I got a little muddle up, was that at the end of this, you realize that for Lupin, it's about the adventure and not necessarily about the prize. And I think that's what this movie does so well, is you get to the end of it, and as an audience member, you're in any, if, it, if it handled poorly, you'd feel cheated. You're like, wait a minute, he didn't get the prize, he didn't get the money. But at the end of this, you go, he's just off to another adventure, and that's what the most important thing is, that he keeps going and finds the next fun thing to do. Because to him, mm -hmm. that's why he has the life of a thief. It's not about you know the destination. It's more about the journey. Let's get to the plot. Ladies and gentlemen, the castle of Cagliostro, which I have misspelled literally every single time I typed it on this document. Uh, I don't we know if start... it's spelled right in the title, if I'm being honest. I have... I have no idea either. <laughs> probably uh, not. I spelled it, <laughs> no, I mean, it with a G for some reason. I don't know why. It's it does have a G. G in there. Does it really? Yeah. Cagliostro? Cagliostro. C-A-G. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm an H. I mean, it doesn't matter. Let's move on. There's an Italian letter that's a li, which is spelled differently. It doesn't matter. Uh, we'll move on. Anyway, we start, and I think this first image it perfectly sums up this entire movie. It's Lupin and Jigen, and they're just climbing down the side of this like giant building with this tiny little rope and these oversized bags of money. And you're like, that doesn't look safe at all. Uh, but when they get to the bottom, of course, uh, after playfully hurtling some objects, they stuff all that money into their yellow fiat uh, as security guards give chase. But, of course, soon realize all too soon that Lupin has sabotaged all of their vehicles. And I love uh, when one of them, like, you know, comes to a little halt. The hood pops up and it's and there's a note from Lupin that says, keep up the good work. Gotcha. Uh, just, just and they're to... also like, and the cars are cut in half and shit. Yeah. <laughs> just like, <laughs> how much time did you spend doing that? It's very like, <laughs> it's very like Joker esque, where like it's it's fun, but he fucked up all your cars. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of property <laughs> damage. Yeah. Uh, as they drive down the freeway, we hear some amazing '70s like uh, music play as they're laughing and just and Jigen says we're millionaires and and everyone's very excited at first until Lupin, of course, astutely realizes and he's as he looks closer to the money, he's like, damn it, it's counterfeit. Uh, but it's the greatest job of counterfeiting he's ever seen, and they got to find out who's done it so that they not not that they can stop him, Tim, so that they can move in and take over the business. <laughs> That's what he really wants. I get it, man. Making yeah. sense. I think I on mean, your theory of that he doesn't care about the treasure, like it's reflected there because he's not like Fuck, we don't have this money. It's like, dang, look at this counterfeit money. Who yeah, made let's it? figure this out. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's and to him, I think that's a perfect example of like he's like. He's, he has one second where he's like, oh, darn, the money's not there. But at the end of the day, it's more exciting for him to like, oh, let's go figure out who this, this next this next villain is that we're going to screw over or have some fun with or whatever. It's, so. the rock with, it's the rock with the safe moment, you know, opening the safe being like, yeah. Fucking Vinny. Vinny, yep. baby, come I'm on. After you again. I'll give you 10 <laughs> seconds. Anyway, uh, the pair laugh as Jigen starts to comically throwing the money out the window. He goes, I sure hope you know what you're doing, boss. Because if this money's not counterfeit, we're, we're wasting a lot of it. Uh, and then... We get the amazing, amazing title sequence, uh, which is with music from I think Fire Treasure is the name of the band that made uh, this this very somber and like uh, a beautiful song. And again, this is another one of those examples. You did not need this mm -hmm. title sequence in this movie. It is very long and beautiful, and it is probably took up at least a few days, I imagine, of quite a few animators to do. But I, mean, I went back months. and watched it twice because so I was like, this is stunning. There's just, you know, just them. Going down the horizon is the, is, the, is the sun setting in the background and all that stuff. Um, but they uh, as that ends, we arrive in Cagliostro, a small country, 
with a population of 3,500, uh, but they still speak Italian, I think. So it's the best language ever. Uh, I love, again, another thing, another sign of the times, that you can, you could, there's no way you could make an animated film, even if it was rated R worth with this much smoking in it. There's just an ashtray <laughs> full of cigarette full of butts. It, yeah. And Kevin and I, I don't know if Kevin ever went through this phase, but when I was young and I used to smoke cigarettes a lot uh, and I was always out of money, there would be moments where I'd look down oh, into the no. ashtray and be like, God. I, I bet I could get a couple more drags <laughs> off of that. Oh, but no, my I did butts, not go through not that someone phase. Else's. Well, you're better than I am. Uh, but I love that Jigen always has sort of like a cigarette hanging out of his mouth and yeah. it's always crooked and messed up and he yeah. just doesn't care. Uh, let's see. Uh, and, I, and then this is the next, I know, another perfect example of sort of like, I don't know if it was just, uh, they ran out of time to explain it, but he goes, how did you figure out where this was taking place? And he was like, uh, purely, but just a process of elimination, yeah. which translation, who gives a fuck? We just want to get, <laughs> I knew where it wasn't happening. Yeah. So. <laughs> we just got to get to the action. Who cares? Uh, of course they get a flat tire and they Rochambeau for it, uh, out of the sunroof, which is hilarious. And then Jigen loses, so he goes to change the flat tire, and we are again treated to another wonderful quiet moment where Luke Luke just looks up and we see a bird flying overhead, and then we see, you know, just where they're at. We're just there for a second. Of course, calm before the storm. It's exactly that. That that has that the dual dual reasons for that. One because it's beautiful, and two because this movie has just an unbelievably great sense of comedic pacing. uh, Because this is cut, of course, juxtaposed with a car coming around the corner, tearing on the corner bend, uh, driven by a young woman in a wedding dress. Uh, she's been chased by some goons in the car behind them. And uh, this I, I love this so much because uh, follow me on this one, guys. There's a movie that that you guys have probably seen. I'm sure everyone has. It's an Eggerite film called Hot Fuzz. And there's a moment in Hot Fuzz where they get in the car and it's that quick smash. Where he goes, punch that shit. And it's every single time he says something, it's another shot of them, like, you know, cramming it into gear. This reminds me of that so much. Because Lupin literally like kicks the hood down, slides in, pulls the thing. We see the we see the turbo in the back like light up, and then they're just off. And if you're gonna tell me that Edgar I didn't see this film and take inspiration from that, I have no way of proving or disproving that. Dude, so the, way the, the, the way the trunk Steven opened Sil- up. Steven Spielberg cool. got uh, some inspiration for this for action scenes in Indiana Jones. Cool I mean, spot. this looks like the Indiana Jones scene at, in four, unfortunately, where they're going through the <laughs> all this stuff. Uh, but of course, then the uh, the jazz kicks off, and I love it so much. Uh, they give chase, accompanied by another sensational score. Uh, Jigen asks, "Who are we going to help?" And he goes, "The girl." And he goes, "I should have known." Uh, the, I love this scene. Uh, they eventually, of course, get the better of the goons. Jigen tries to shoot the tires out. He's like, "Oh my god, everything's armor proof. These guys have a lot of money." Um, and then eventually. I think they even try throwing a grenade at them at some point. Uh, the, the but they get the car. The bad guys throw those uh, oh, grenades. Yeah, those like yeah, nineteen like twenty grenades. Yeah, yeah. What are they called? Uh, potato mashers, like the World War Two. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jigen, of course, figures out that the bullets, are, that, that the uh, tires are armored, so he uses an armor-piercing bullet and just destroys the goon's car. Of course, their car gets destroyed as well. And I, again, I love the comicalness of of he has to jump into hers. It hits a little embankment and then slowly careens over the edge where he's like he's trying to drive it and stop it, but it's just completely broken. Uh, and then he uses his grappling hook to hook onto a tree limb, literally hanging there by a limb. Um, and, and then another great moment for me <laughs> where he's got it here and he opened he like he's holding her and he opens up his belt and starts slowly lowering them with this little janky ass mechanism. And of course it breaks. He falls. The tree limb falls on him, knocks him out. Um, and the girl is unfortunately, um, what's up, Gav? I was going to say, I love how, like, there's that moment where it, like, cuts back to the tree, like, pulling out. And it's like, oh, shit, they're falling. And it's like, oh, they fell, like, six feet. It was fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I really um, like this, the tree falling on him part because I think that in the, we're now, what, five minutes in this movie, if even, and it totally sets up the world and it sets up where we're at, which is like, cool, this is a little bit more adult. People are smoking. We're using fucking grenades. That's terrifying. Like, there's guns involved. Like, these characters are holding guns and shooting at each other. And then, oh, you can still fall off. You're not going to die. And a tree's going to fall on your head. It's just going to knock you out a little bit. It's like... Right. I love that where it's like it kind of it makes you feel safe, but it also makes it feel like it's it's going to be a fun time. It's not going to be super dark and gritty, but it's going to have those elements to push the story forward. So it's like a mature plot, but the fun of a cartoon mashed together. Love it. Like at no point are you going to see someone smashed by giant clock hands. Oh, wait, you are. You're okay. That was fucked <laughs> up. That, that and the gear death were like you yeah. don't see either of right. those deaths. Yeah. But like, like there's no blood, but you're like. Oh yikes! Uh, with both of those, though, I think that that's such a great use of it because they build the world so that when that does happen, you're like, "Oh fuck!" Like that actually means something. It's not just like, "Oh, there's been people dying left and right the entire time." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Uh, of course, uh, Clarius attempts to nurse uh, uh, Lupin back to health, but is chased off into the woods when a boat full of the goons comes to get her. Uh, Jigen catches up and spots the goons taking Clarius off into the boat. Uh, of course, and, uh, Lupin looks down and finds her glove, uh, inside of which there is a ring with the emblem of, is it a goat or a ram? Goat. What would we say? The Aquarius. The Aquarius goat. symbol. We'll say Aquarius. He said goat, goat, but I thought <laughs> goat, I didn't think goats had yeah, it's horns. A goat. Like it's the top of a goat and a fish bottom. You guys not, never seen the Aquarius symbol? Never, never. I've I've tried to swim in Aquarius before, though. <laughs> no, you haven't, you liar. You're not a rule breaker. No <laughs> way you would do that. I would have I'm going to be honest. I, I, cool I never, Kev, I, I have not seen an Aquarius. Like, what, you just, a goat with a fish bottom? Yeah. Dude, like I'm, a a, mermaid? I'm Aquarius. Like, I don't even know what that is. I'm trying to pull That's, up an image. It's, it's, the Star, it's the Starbucks logo. We'll just go with that. Anyway, uh, Lupin is pissed. <laughs> oh, wait, is it Capricorn? Capricorn is the goat. Yeah, it's Capricorn. Capricorn. Is a goat. Okay, it's Cap. Whatever. It's a, one of the the celestial symbols. Capricorn. It's Capricorn. Really I'm gonna close. go with the Milky Way, and we'll move but, on. They drive Nick, a. But Nick, what's up? I think he said, "Hey, goat," like the way Mark Wahlberg says it. Hey, goat. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all we need. Cool. Andy, there you go. Hey, goat. I think I found a transformer. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Uh, they drive over to the burnt wreckage of an old deserted castle in Jigen's spots. Uh, the same emblem from the ring on the castle archway. Uh, it was, of course, the old royal palace. The prince was killed when the place burned down. Uh, but now they have a new ruler, and Lupin knows exactly who that is. He goes over for a stroll over to the gazebo to reflect, and we get an- some more amazing landscape imagery. Uh, of course, Jigen. This is oh, such a fun, silly moment where you, you get how deep their friendship runs. Where he's, you hear this like you hear this like weird beat where it's like. And he's like, "You're holding out on me." Or is, that the, is this moment? Maybe that's later. No, no, it's later. It's later. Oh, is that later? Okay. Yeah, it's just after, several it's times. They go to the castle. That's right? it, when's he? When, when does he put him in like the wrestler? It's, hold it's after like, they yes. go to the. It's after they go to the castle, and he like, right. and, and you could tell Lupin is like putting shit together. No shit together. Yeah, like he's like side eyeing him because yeah, like, and like <laughs> come on, bro. Oh, no, this is this is that part. No, this is that part. Sorry, because I have it in my in my notes. Is you're holding out on me, and then he puts him in like the wrestling holds. So this is that moment. Sorry. Anyway, he goes, it all started 10 years ago. And he's like, what all started 10 years ago? <laughs> and he's like, at the time, the royal family had a lot of money. And you know how I've always been attracted to people with a lot of money. Uh, he tells line. the tale. 
of the castle of Cagliostro, which is attached uh, to the clock tower of the Royal Palace. Uh, then they spot, he looks down and he spots the goon's boat that took Clarice. Uh, and they're going, they're loading, like uh, driving into like a little dock, dry dock at the bottom of the castle. And 10 years ago, Lupin tried to break in and it nearly cost him his life. Uh, they spot, and then overhead, they spot the Count's custom auto gyro, gyro flying back to the castle. No doubt uh, the Count is behind the counterfeiting. Uh, let's see, the Count lands, and he is greeted by his butler, Jodo, who gives him an update on what happened that morning with Clarice. He orders, he gives the order to find and kill Lupin and Jigen. Uh, when he reaches Clarice's room, he dismisses uh, the blonde maid and heads in. Uh, and it's very, very creepy in here, kind of like an Egyptian night motif. But, like, it's, it's definitely a room you would think, and I love the art direction behind this, because it's a room that you would paint and have for, like, a child, but she's no longer a child. And I think mm. it's interesting to see that juxtaposition really where creepy. she's like fighting to get out of the hold of this guy and she's no longer the kid that Lupin knows. She's trying to come into her own. And I think by the end of it, that's the whole point, right? Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, when he tries to compare rings to hers, of course, he notices that hers is gone and he is not happy about that. Uh, but he, Andy, has great hair and that counts for something, you know? Mm. You look at the Count's hair in this and you're like, someone, 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 yeah. someone respects hair. Now he also he also has the bottom half of his face that looks like a frog, like he's he's, got, oh, yeah. he's just got this weird sort of vibe going on. He doesn't on. have a strong jaw. Yeah. He does he's not have creepy a strong as shit. Jaw. He's mm-hmm. creepy as shit. Dude, Great when he choice gets his helmet, helmet on though yeah. later. Great choice. He looks helmets. right and the cape yeah. with the and cape. The cape. Oh, oh, yeah. He does the Batman thing with the cape. He's the count. You guys, you guys know that a long time ago, uh, when I was drum major of my high school uh, marching band, I was uh, assistant drum major sophomore year, and then lead drum major junior mm-hmm. senior year, no big deal. I wore a cape, and I did that a lot. I did that. Belinda, a lot that's the he rang the little triangle to keep everyone on beat. <sighs> oh, <wow>. Kevin, <laughs> you're just you just you know what? I don't care. Make fun of me. You're just showing your own ignorance because triangle was those are the people in the pit, and those are the people that couldn't march. Anyway, sure. uh, later that night at the pub, Lupin examines uh, the inscription <laughs> on the ring. Uh, and I'm going to get this wrong because I probably quoted I'm quoting from the English dub. But it says when with light and shadow as once once more, it surely it shall surely be restored or something like that. And I'm like, that's cryptic. But we get it. We need both. <laughs> we need both the rings to solve whatever this thing is. Uh, Lupin tries to scam on the waitress. And this is that moment that Andy talked about earlier that you're like, what the fuck? Uh, that does not age well. Um and they spot a guy spying on them. Uh, Jigen, call, Jigen calls him out for knowing all along that the girl was a princess. And he's like, no, I didn't know she was a princess. And he's like, you are not telling me everything. But I respect our adventure together and our friendship and your privacy. Later that night, Lupin, again, another great part where Lupin's make like has this little makeshift lab that he has that's really just like a Bunsen burner and some shit that you that might explode in and his face. And the Bunsen burner, he's like blowing to keep the flame going. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cool. It's okay. so great. Uh, and then uh, Jigen here's someone uh, he says we got visitors approaching and so you're like damn Jigen fucking gets it man uh, they arm themselves <laughs> and are soon attacked by these incredibly scary assassins uh, and then Lupin uses that same Bunsen burner to blind them it's a great great shot where he's like hey and he's wearing the glasses and it's just this blinding light coming out of this thing and he just throws it onto the ground uh, and in the, in, the, in the sub I, I have to keep rewinding because I don't know if there was I don't know if Jigen ever said we have visitors uh, because they just sort of in a sub, it felt like I pro- and I probably miss it. Granted, because I'm I'm very scatterbrained as y'all know, but I, I feel like they just sort of 
came like they looked at each other were like yeah some shit's about to go down right now and they start putting out their stuff carefully and they're like all right let's let's prepare for what's about to happen listen and then the, and then like the goddamn uh well the, what were the bad guys in x-men uh, days of future past that's what they reminded me of sentinel the sentinels the, the big, yeah the big the way the sentinels looked like i guess more of mm. appearance wise they were so scary mm. dude uh, they, of course, use the burner to blind them, and then they jump out the window, and uh, they give a little bit of chase, and they get away. Uh, back at the castle, the blonde maid sneaks around, uh, and to those, the uninitiated, you guys might have been like, who the hell is this? But, of course, she's not a maid at all. She is Fujiko, uh, and Fujiko is another hallmark and staple of the franchises. Uh, this she was moment little- number one for me where I was like, this is fucking cool as hell. Like, no. this is deep, and this is a lot more Mission Impossible than I would have expected from this oh, yeah. movie. Dude, Fujiko has the first off the most hype moment of this whole thing. Not hype, but to me, the best moment of this whole thing is when she's the camera op and she's just knocking fools out. And then then Zenigata's like, I don't know what's down here. He's like, you know, and then she's like, like, I must follow him with a handheld. And then she just ends up having from this movie, she goes from being like this maid in disguise to it being in full camo with a fucking Uzi and like a knife strapped to her. (laughs) And she's just blasting fools. She's like, she's like, is like when they're escaping and she come, she just jumps off and then she has like wings and then she just yeah. flies yeah. away. And you're like, I, I, I love where the line. I, I can't remember the line, but like when she does that, she's like, uh, hey, this was fun, but this was enough adventure for today. See you guys later. Yeah, whoop, whoop. I love that. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, she uses a people to spy on uh, the count who is pissed off at the latest round of counterfeit money turned out badly. Uh, he's interrupted by Jodo, who uh, is wearing what, by the way, I like that he's wearing one of the assassin costumes. He's one of the guys that went out for them. Uh, he reports they lost the foreigners, and then the count spots a note on his back uh, when he pulls it off. Of course, it's from Lupin, and it says, You son of a bitch, I hate to spoil your wedding plans, but I'm going to steal your bride. It would be a waste of your tri- time to try and stop me. And then uh, this is a great reaction from the count here where he's like, I welcome another go with the wolf. He's like, oh, this guy thinks he's going to get me, but I got him the first time. I'll get him a second time. Uh, out in the rain. And now I, I want you guys to understand this because you you maybe don't appreciate what you've seen at this next moment. Um, so I'm going to just take my time describing this. We okay. have a horse-drawn carriage that pops up, and it's carrying a man with a samurai sword. And his name is Goemon. And he is fucking everything. So if you guys disrespect him at all for the rest of this review, I will have Kevin end you. That is how it's going to go. And by that I mean, cool I will, unless it's Kevin, in which case I have no, I have no power over that. He can do whatever he wants. With he has myself, great hair. Thank you, great Andy. hair. Oh. Who, Kevin or, or Goimon? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, of course they set up camp at the old palace so they can keep eyes on the castle who uh, should they spot rolling in of course Inspector Zenigata listen everyone the gang's all here now he is of course the chief, chief inspector from Interpol uh, Zenigata tells the count about Wolf and the others and the, and the off, and he offers them excuse me offers the count their protection uh, but of course the count is a smug asshole to the inspector and brushes him off uh, Zenigata checks the security on the grounds and it's state of the art with motion textures and active laser guns what uh, the fuck awesome <laughs> and they're creepy as shit too I love the design of these things because they look like cameras and they, go, they just kind of ro- slowly roll in and then they start shooting lasers at things they look kind of old school but then they like shoot lasers and you're like whoa it's so yeah. cool no. that they didn't like actually draw like a red line it's just the like the laser hitting whatever yeah. it's hitting and it's like and it's like ah. it's uh well the like uh, again belinda with the tech in this like you right. sort of lose where you're at uh, like you don't really have a sense of time or or reality in this right. world that they're building because it's like, 
shirt and it's like, and, Ooh. <laughs> like and, and also and also the count has this weird like copter that looked like little yeah. guys <laughs> an auto like, it's, it's so like it's so bizarre and it, it, it you know i i just love that they can do that and it feels normal it feels, it feels fantastical like but also real yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the, again, speaking, just shout out to the art direction behind this, which is, you know, uh, Miyazaki and his team. Like, the, it could have been a helicopter, Andy. It, it should have been a helicopter, Andy. But somebody somewhere <laughs> spotted this weird auto gyro well, half plane, the, half he, helicopter. Doesn't mean he doesn't love thing, those. The, like, walkway to the tower, it goes like. Yeah, it, like, telescopes <laughs> out. And then it comes back. Those, but those little touches, you're right, just add to the sort of fantastic nature of this. But then they they do a good job of sort of grounding it so that you it's a believable tale, but it's also fantastical and it's it's really fun to do that. Anyway, uh, back to the plot. Uh, again, I made a note here. You guys, I don't think any of you guys grew up in the '80s. Uh, who was who was the oldest here other than me, Andy? You're, when were you born? '88. 88. Okay, so you you caught a little bit of this, but guys, if you don't know, there was nothing more terrifying <laughs> certainly in the not. '80s. There's nothing more terrifying in the 80s than lasers. Those were the scariest thing you could possibly imagine. No, he most not, certainly not did not. <laughs> Andy, you're in the 90s. Lasers are fucking Andy, did cool. You, uh, you scared of lasers? <laughs> no, not really. People, dude, when laser pointers came on at the market, everyone that was in the 90s was like, these are so cool. Everyone from the 80s was like, those are dangerous weapons. Those are weapons. Do you understand me? Be careful. Uh, of course, Zenigod ain't no fool. This security is way too elaborate for a, just a castle, and it makes him wonder what they're hiding. Uh, Goemon asks Wolf why, and I love this moment, because Goemon just gets it. He, he rolls up, and he's like, I know exactly what's going on here. He asks Wolf why he called Zenigata, and Jigen's like, you called Zenigata? And Wolf's like, do you not know me? Have you not rolled with me before? Of course I called him. All the pieces, of course, are in play, uh, and it's all part of my plan. That night, Wolf and Jigen approach to the castle by water. Another just silly and great scene where there's no dialogue also worth pointing out even underwater jigan's still wearing his hat still wearing That's the fedora so cool. there's so I many stupid so elements much. like so that <laughs> dumb and you get you, you you just they they just skate that line between genius and absurd so well like you're I mean, not this, sure if they're idiots or just geniuses the entire time this entire bit to me is exactly that where it's like yeah. it feels like uh, it could be Scooby Doo, but it feels more Metal Gear Solid. Like mm -hmm. it's just like I'm like I buy it in the way that it's cool, but then there's the moments where it's like he's up in the in the the fish fountain. Like where's he coming out? The fountain, and they run over to him. He's just like hiding he in looks the fish. <laughs> it's so stupid, but it's like there's it's, a moment it where there's works. like water falling, and he's like swimming through. Trying the water. to swim. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like there's no way. But, it's so but the funny. look I have that written here. The look of terror on his face so the look goes from like i can do this i can do this and then when it starts going down yeah. he has this one little flash of terror as he's like shit i'm not gonna do this it's not gonna work and he goes back down uh i love the scene i love everything about it wolf of course try, uh let's see uh jigan pops up near the lasers uh and then he has to pop back down wolf is nowhere to be seen they get they get split up he heads back to pick up Goimon. um inside the castle banquet is in full effect uh as zenigata and his men guard the exterior walls uh, Zenigata, of course spots a windmill and he, and he that's pulling water in from the lake and he knows that's just the kind of entrance that Wolf would try to exploit. So he goes over there, and this is that shot that Tim was talking about where he's receded back into it, and he's looking out. And again, just shout out to how good the art is in this. There, The blur effect through the water, Andy, where he's looking, and Zenigata pokes his head in, and his head's like just blurry, like wavy back yeah. and forth. It's is spot on. Distorting yeah. and shit. It's, yeah, it's so really perfect. Cool. And it's comical, and it's silly, and it's just beautifully done. Uh, let's see. Uh, of course... 
Uh, sure enough, Wolf spots him, all that stuff. And then a guy gets a message from HQ at the, at the last second. Uh, they've been pulled off the case. When he runs off to check, Lupin gets out of the fountain and takes off his wetsuit to reveal that he is, of course, dressed like Zenigata. Uh, when Zedagata hits the office of the Count uh, to have a word with him about being pulled off the case, he's stopped by Gustav, uh, the Count's head guard. Uh, Zenigata gives up and leaves. Moments later, Wolf shows up and yells at Gustav, claiming that the prior Zenigata was, in fact, the Wolf. Uh, Gustav, embarrassed, grabs his guards, and they run after the inspector. Uh, and and I, I just love I love the low-key rivalry between the castle guards and the inspector's men. Where it's just like he's attacking. That's the wolf. We got to get him. And then the inspector's men see it. They're like they're attacking the inspector. Let's get him. And they just clash on the on the stairway. It's that wonderful like Spartan three hundred moment where they're it's just so clashing with the riot shields. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Dude, it's a it's a testament to the quality of character writing in this that we're all of us for the most part like first introduced to these characters for the first time. We don't have history of knowledge of who they are and their relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And you see this and Lupin is dressed as him and does the whole switcheroo of saying, oh, yeah, like that wasn't him or that was me, whatever. And it's like we buy it and we get it and we understand. It's clear what just happened. I feel like so many movies, like even nowadays, spy movies, like you'd be watching it. It's just like I'm confused at what is actually going on. But in this, it's super clear and it's clever. And it totally you're on loop inside where you're just like – get fucked Zenigami. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. you you immediately buy into their character dynamic and yeah. you uh, you kind of automatically know ah uh, they've they've had a lot yeah. of history together, you know. It's really cool. Um uh, the count of course. Let's see Gustav the guard secretary. Uh Zenigata chases Wolf down a hallway but of course falls prey to that trap door. And we see Wolf just like doing the, the Mission Impossible thing where he's he's popped up on the ceiling because he knew there was a trap door there. Uh, it I, spits I like out it. comically a picture of whoever it just just got dropped to their death, <laughs> presumably. Uh, I was gonna say I, I like that right before um the inspector comes in, he's like jumping around like he's tr- he knows there's a trap there. And like yeah. he's trying to figure out how do I get around this, and then he jumps up and gets out of the way and lets them get mm-hmm. through the trap. That's so good, uh, yeah. And of course, uh, he resets the trap, uh, which Jodo and Gustav didn't uh, didn't account for, and they get sucked in as well. Uh, but they save themselves last second. Uh, the count orders Jodo to tell Zenigata's men that the inspector has been called back to Paris and has left, and they should leave as well. Uh, up in the armory, Wolf sneaks up on Fujiko as she's snapping pictures of files in the count's safe. Uh, Wolf tries to play it off like he's, but he's like, I've been looking for you the whole time. She's like, bullshit. You've been looking for Clarice. So I know exactly where you're at. Uh, she tells him that Clarice is in the tower. And he's like, all right, let's drop the pretense. I got to go get her. Uh, cut to, of course, Wolf straight up just scaling the outside wall of the tower. And there are multiple. This is, again, another another. This is so well directed because it's an animated movie. But I start getting the sweaty palms. I'm like, he's going right. to fall. It's really high up. Yeah. And I know it's a cartoon, but I'm like. It's, I'm believing this 100%. Convenient they didn't put lasers on it. That's all I'm saying. You know, I mean, you don't need lasers up there. Lasers <laughs> don't work at those heights, Kevin. They don't sure, work at those Kevin. heights. You weren't born in the 80s. You, know, you, you weren't born in the 80s. You don't they, work don't they work in space. Tim, it's not an irrational fear, okay? It's, <laughs> it's not whether you're, you're, you're paranoid. It's whether you're paranoid enough, Tim, about the lasers. Fair. As a, as a man who's had lasers alter his eyes, you should know the power of lasers. <laughs> Uh, he reaches the top of the tower, and uh, <laughs> that's a great rebuttal. You got him good, Nick. You got him got him good. Right. Uh, of course, he reaches. He goes. He crawl. This is the scene I was talking about earlier, where he scales even higher, and then he hits. So he was. He's just like sort of teetering on the pinnacle uh, of it, uh, and uh, it starts. Just starts trying light 
uh, starts trying to light the rocket, right? This is about mm-hmm. scaling him higher, right here. Oh, he uses his grappling hook to reach the summit, where he attempts to line up a rocket uh, with a rope, with a tiny little rope attached to it. And you're like, what are you going to do with that rope? A, moment, a momentary slip of the rocket, and it starts to fall. He climbs down to grab it, starts unspooling the thing, and then, of course, finds himself quickly, uh, before he knows it, running down the side of the rooftop. And we get the great score over here where it's like, as he hops, skips, and jumps, and then the slams on the tower. The sound is so awesome. And yeah. just so great. hug. And you just have that moment where you see him with his arms and his legs hugging the side <laughs> of the round part of the tower as he starts to slip down. You're like, he's not going to be able to hold that forever. Uh, and then he throws a grappling hook one more time, ends up climbing up, uh, and he rappels down into the princess's bedroom, or, or I should say prison, actually. And she says, who's there? And he says, a thief. And with your permission, I've come to help. Um, and he returns her ring to her and tells her he's come to rescue her from the count. Uh, to repay him, she offers him the ring. And she's told him uh, she's told it's been worth a fortune, but Wolf only wants to be her hero. Uh, this is another one of those where I think I want to wa- go back and watch this scene in the original um, translation or the original Japanese. Because in, in this translation, it's kind of weird uh, with the dub. Uh, of course, she tells him to leave now. She, she gets excited at first, and then she realizes who he's up against. And she's like, you should just get out of here now before it's too late because it's the cow and he's going to kill you. And then Wolf uh, pulls a little magic trick on her and gives her a flower. And he says, faith can work miracles. Uh, That's a dumb uh, now, trick. And then he goes, now, do you know how I'm going to get out of, us out of here? Because if you do, I'd really like to know. And it's just a great <laughs> little moment where it's like, does, yeah. does he have a plan to get out of here? We don't really know. <laughs> of course, moments later, uh, the count uh, comes in. Uh, Let's see. Oh, excuse me. The light pops on and the Count's assassins all file in. And it's a super scary moment. Wolf squares off against the Count, who, as it turns out, wants the ring but must marry the princess first to legitimize his uh, his ownership of it. Uh, Wolf flexes really hard until the Count activates another trap door. But in the most just G'd out sense, he falls with his hands still in his pocket, staring at the Count. And it's so dope. Because you're like, oh, I think he I think he knew this was going to happen. Or he's just dumb luck. Who knows? Uh, the Count creeps out real hard on Clarice. Uh, his house walks the path of darkness. But now that they're going to get married, they can uh, they reap the rewards promised by the Cagliostro legend. The treasure of Cagliostro will be revealed to them. Uh, and then he gets... Uh, he starts getting kind of violent, trying to take the ring away from her until Lupin's voice comes over a speaker, which we then figure out is coming through the fake ring that Lupin has given to her. Uh, and then uh, it was all a ploy to figure out the Count's plan. So weird. This is yeah. all This is all like... I loved this. <laughs> I was so confused while this is happening. Uh, the, the the talking to the little dice, like, what the fuck is happening in that this scene so right that, now? It, Nick, <laughs> earlier you said that he doesn't have all the cool 007 gadgets, but he does. He's got so many little gadgets where it's like, what do you... Why... Why is it a dice? Why is it a dice? Why not? <laughs> yeah. That's something you have in exactly. your pocket. You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, of course, uh, the Count sends water down after him and then orders Jodo. Hold on. Uh, Hold on. I, yeah. I, need, I do have a question. Why not? It's just something you have in your pocket. <laughs> do you just have dice in your pocket, Kev? I mean, you have empty your pockets not, right now. I, right now, I got fake pants on. You know what I mean? Tim. Yeah. Tim, it's one of those things you got to understand. Like, sometimes you have dice in your pocket, and in the mm-hmm. 80s, lasers are scary. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're right. We're learning a lot today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Back to the plot, Nick. Sorry. I feel like you wait, guys wait, Tim, are not. Tim, really quick, real quick, real quick. Just so this. you know, I'm talking about in in, in what '79 when this movie came out. People mm-hmm. didn't have phones. They ain't got all of these video games they can play on their phone. They got to sit mm-hmm. there and be like, "Hey, what number you think it's gonna be?" Exactly. Kevin. Six? Exactly. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to buy some dice, you can. And uh, if you want to do that, let me tell you that this episode is brought to you by 
honey. Uh, we all shop online a lot, but did you know you can make online shopping even better? You can with Honey. Honey is the free online shopping tool that saves you money online. Honey automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart, which makes online shopping finally feel as easy as it's supposed to. Uh, I guarantee that Kevin can find a sweet deal on some dice right now if he tried, and he'd be saving some money with Honey. Ooh, that rhymed and was fun to say. Um, all you got to do is you install it once in your browser, and then it just does the work for you automatically without you even needing to do anything. You go to your favorite online store, whether it's Best Buy or Amazon or Etsy or any of that stuff, anything. There's like thousands of stores uh, that you can go to that this works with. When you go to check out of your cart, it'll automatically apply the best coupons it can find and save you money. Uh, kind of funny, save thousands of dollars from doing this without even having to do anything. We installed it once and it just did it for us. Uh, not using Honey is literally passing up free money. It's free to use and installs in just a few seconds. Plus, now it's part of the PayPal family. You can get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash morning. That's joinhoney.com slash morning uh, to start saving money today. Right, and- and here's what I, yep. uh, Kevin, just like you, Kevin, I used it on me undies yesterday. Oh. Got a little, got a little three pack, and Boom. It, it it immediately runs through so many different pot. Like there's like it's the cool, Rogan, yeah. the Joe, there's the Joe Rogan promo code. There's the, uh, um, oh god, god, I think it's my brother, my brother and me, or whether it, it's one of the uh, the McElroy brothers things, and it goes through all these different promo codes. And yeah, I got a fifteen percent off of a little three pack. Andy, I, I did too. Joinhoney.com slash morning. Really excited. Two days ago, I, I did the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, of course, the Count, back to the plot, realizing that Wolf is still alive, uh, orders Jodo to flush out the, the trap door uh, and sends water down after him and then orders Jodo and his men to go down there and make sure he's dead. Uh, left alone in the dark, Clarice picks up the flower that Lupin gave her. Uh, it's a nice tender moment. Uh, down in the dungeon, of course, Lupin lowers himself. Uh, onto a mountain of bones. Uh, Zenigata, of course, has been trapped down there for a while and spots him and tries to arrest him, but then comes to the realization is like, sure, we're both stuck down here, so there's no point in trying to arrest you because I can't take you out of there. Um, as an, uh, they seek not to learn the castle of Cagliostro, something that's, I guess, written on the wall, and then they realize that all the people who are down here weren't necessarily killed by the Count. Those are people through the years who have come trying to find the treasure and have, of course, been stuck in this dungeon or thrown into the dungeon and died trying uh, to do that. Uh, more of Gustav's assassins sneak up on them as they sleep. Uh, and I love this moment, too, because uh, when they make their move, they find Lupin and Zenigata's clo- uh, clothes are there, but they're stuffed with skeletons. And it's a double trap. Uh, Lupin and Zenigata and the inspector pounce on them and swap clothes with them. And then we get a fun scene where one of them gets away and Lupin just jumps in in his, in his chonies and starts swimming Terrifying. after him. And as he's swimming real hard, aggressively. His un- his un- yeah, he kills that guy. That guy's dead. <laughs> um, but uh, they, of course, use the assassins close to uh to try and get out of there and they they fool Gustav and Jodo into uh into thinking that they're more of their men and they, but they tra- not they all of their trap clothes them. just the glove right just the glove and the helmet I think it was like the top even, part yeah I don't think they even wear the helmet I think they just float it just enough to grab his hand another terrifying thing yeah when you think of it from the perspective of the bad guy these guys can be very scary yeah, they're terrifying. It's a good, it's very good uh, use of, uh, of of costumes. Uh, as they escape, though, of course, they're now on the lower levels of the uh, castle, where they find the counterfeit printing press, uh, and they just and and then Lupin gives Zenigata a little bit of lesson. It's like the Caligostros have been running this counterfeit ring for centuries, and they've been ruling the world's economy through conspiracies and assassinations. So basically, they've just been printing their own money and using it to to get more and more powerful through the ages. But uh, I just love I love how 
big the plot just got right there. Right. It's just like it just goes from like oh this, he's he's trying to steal some money. Oh they're counterfeiting to oh they've been running the they world. They rule the world. <laughs> Bro, they've been they they brought in Napoleon at one point. They just got an inner image of Napoleon. Yeah, they're like this is a big deal, guys. Yeah. If you paint Napoleon into a picture, you better fucking back it up. Uh, put some lasers on. You know what I'm talking about? Make him fucking super scary. Anyway, he's made his point. Zenigata is in. But they cannot arrest him. Counterfeiting apparently isn't illegal in Cagliostro, which I guess if you started your own country that's, and you were a counterfeiter, that makes sense. I that's how it works, though. I think Interpol I know, I works, that. works like, without borders that way as long as you're part of Interpol, right? I have no idea. I, I'm pretty sure that other countries would at least have a little bit of a problem with it. But here's the whole point is that bought, he was supposed to be right. everyone. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's kind of in on this on this plot at the highest levels. Up in the tower, uh, Fujiko says her goodbyes to Clarice. Uh, she says she's like, I, "Listen, I, I, I was po- uh, I was I was poised here to make excuse me. She was poised as her maid, and I spelled maid wrong, which is what threw me out of that one. To have the run of the castle in hopes of finding the treasure. Uh, but now that Wolf's here, shit's about to get crazy, and she does not want to get caught up in it. Uh, she can tell Clarice is in love with Wolf. Uh, she was like, listen, I used to be there, too. I was once in love with him as well. But he's not exactly the marrying type. Just got to be FYI. Uh, before they get too far into it, a fire well, breaks out. I love What's the I, I, and the uh, the sub, the Japanese sub. Um, there's a at, at the very, very end. Clarice is like, did he break your heart? Did he leave you? She's like, oh, God, no, I left him. Yeah, <laughs> and it's really cool. <laughs> That's great. Uh, of course, across the lake, uh, Goemon and Jigen spot the smoke, and that's the sign they've been waiting for. Uh, the goons descend on the basement, fire, and Lupin and Zena got to use that as an opportunity to escape. They run for it. Uh, they head for the auto gyro, and the jazz here is fantastic. Uh, they take off and circle Wait, back around quick. and grab. Yeah. Sorry, I just want to point out, like, I love this. The Earlier, there was a moment where the his two boys are waiting, and they're like, it's been a long time. What are we going to do? Like, And the, the, the ninja guy's like, he knows us. He'll figure out a way to get a sign. Yeah. To tell us what's up. And then yeah, when it happens, burning the counterfeit money, man. It's just and he's like, like it's that's so the cool. sign. No, was that? Yeah, that was. You're right. Yeah, yeah, that was so cool. <laughs> Uh, up in the room, of course, Clarice tries to break, break the glass with a chair, but it's like indestructible. Uh, Fujiko has a better idea. She uses a grenade, but that doesn't that barely leaves a scratch. Uh, Lupin, of course, when they pull up, he motions for them to head up to the roof. Uh, Fujiko spots the Count's men moving in and opens fire with a submachine gun. Um, they hop up onto the roof, and Zenigata tries to maneuver the auto gyro into place until a bullet tears through Lupin's chest and takes down the plane. Uh, Clarice. Uses her body as a shield to protect Wolf, but the Count opens fire anyway, uh, and she strikes a deal with him. He says, marry me, and I'll let you li- both live. Uh, bring me the re- ring, and I'll spare his life, of course, as he does that. Uh, he whispers to Johto. He's like, the second she's clear, just fucking, the second I have that ring, just mow them all down. I don't even care anymore. Just kill him. Uh, Fujiko tells Clarice where the ring is hidden, because she's like, I don't even have it. And she's like, it's in the back of his collar and because she knows him so well and i love that uh as she walks back to the count the auto gyro of course flies back in fujiko sees her opportunity and she uh jumps down grabs wolf and hops aboard uh as clarice is in the clutches of the evil count the auto gyro of course crashes um and as it crashes lupin flies out and he's hit with his suit jacket on fire and this is another great going on moment where he just the car pulls up and you just see one swipe and then yeah. all of his clothes come off and the fire is gone uh and i love that very much uh zenigata of course makes okay yeah, there you go. Uh, in, in back the, over at the UN. In the in the in the sub. Yeah, at that point, Goemon's like another useless life form to waste my sword on, or something like that. Yeah. Like, it's really cool. 
uh, Zenigata is back over at the UN, sort of. He's making his case, uh, but they're not buying it because they're all crooked. Fed up, he walks out uh, past the ranks of his men, and he's very defeated. Over at the palace, Jigen and the groundskeeper nurse Lupin back to health. Uh, old Carl the dog has taken a liking to him, and Lupin, Lupin, of course, wakes up and recognizes him from the last time he was there. Uh, he's been unconscious for three days. They got to move out. They got to go save the princess. Uh, we get. He's like, I, he's like, I need my strength. And we get a little fun, silly moment where they feed him too much, and he ends up turning green. And then uh, uh, there's a there's a second where there's a beat, and he just goes, "It was ten years ago." And Jigen goes, "What was ten years ago?" <laughs> and he goes, and then he's like, "I was a naive young thief looking for that big score." Uh, and then he got shot in the in the back with arrows, barely made it to cover before passing out, where he was found by, of course, Clarice, who helped nurse him back to health. Um, and then uh, so we get that backstory a little bit. Uh, then, uh, oh, they get a message, of course, from Fujiko. Uh, she passes the team a note saying that the, uh, like a, a newspaper saying that the archbishop is, has a, is going to arrive for the ceremony, of course, which gives them the idea they need to sneak back into the castle. Uh, and then she calls Zenigata and tells him that Lupin's going to hit the ceremony tomorrow. And he's like, that's all I needed. I just need someone to give me another excuse to get back in there. And uh, we don't really know what they're up to yet, but I love how the plan comes to fruition in a few minutes. Uh, the following day, of course, an avalanche has blocked the road for the archbishop, which you kind of get the uh, the sense that they did that. Of course, the groundskeeper talks the archbishop into, uh, I love this little scene. He's like, my goat's sick. Can you bust my goat? And the guy's like, you're from around here. How do we get out of here? He's like, oh, it's this way. And you have to imagine about five minutes later, they just beat the archbishop over the head, knocked him out, <laughs> and then just, I, I assume, shaved off his beard and then glued it back to Lupin's face. Does that sound right? Sure. No? Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Cool. Totally. I love. I love how everybody in the crowd, by the way, when they when we eventually get to the 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 wedding scene or whatever, ninety nine percent of the dudes are just like big dudes with giant mustaches. <laughs> like they're so tall. <laughs> Andy, it was the seventies, and the only way going into the eighties to combat the lasers was mustache was gotcha. giant mustaches. That's gotcha. why people had so many of them in the eighties. That Magnum PI, perfect example. The whole show is about fighting lasers. Uh, Fujiko, of course, sneaks back in to the castle under the disguise of a news media outlet. Uh, the proceedings will be televised, so everyone will know it is it is legit. Uh, day turns to night as the clock tower strikes midnight. Apparently, this uh, wedding is very, very late for some reason. I'd be like, can we get married at 8? Because I used to go to bed by midnight. That's when I'm watching Friends. Clarice is escorted to the altar by the Count, and she does not seem with it. Uh, of course, the Count is, how can you blame her? The Count is dressed like a pimp. Like this mm. helmet that he's wearing and this cape that he's wearing. I'm like, this is how you get married in your country? Sign me up, guys, because I love wearing capes. Remember, again, I was uh, uh, I was the, the band leader. I got to wear a cape. I forgot that. I, drum major. That's what I used to be. That joke's right, done. Gotcha. Right. Let's move on. The band leader. <laughs> Once at the altar, of course, the bishop asked. I was asked, the band man. I was the band man. Once at the altar, the bishop asked for proof. Uh, and this is where it gets a little murky. He's like, I, I need to see your proof that you're heirs to the Cagliostro family. And they both show him rings. And I asked this question, and it is rhetorical. <laughs> we do not need the answer. Are they cousins? Are they cousins? I had that question through the whole thing because they're like, Very oh, weird. we're both Cagliostros, and we need to be together for this to happen. I'm like, yeah, but it could, it's a little I mean, strange. It's possible it's maybe really, really, really far removed. Uh, yeah, he did explain relative. that the family split a long time because of the ancestry. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Tim, nineteen years, nineteen years. Uh, Lupin comes over the loudspeaker, of course. Uh, well, first he asks Clarice for her consent to be married, and he goes, "Well, if you don't say anything, I'll take your silence as consent." And I'm like, "I don't know if that's the no. right way to do that." So um, bizarre. <laughs> like that whole thing was just so <laughs> such a weird thing. Where it's like, no one in the room's gonna go. That sounds 
Oh, <laughs> that sounds like he did something I'm to silence her. <laughs> there definitely had to have been a lot of people in the crowd like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> she, she was drugged, right? That's why her pupils were gone. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. He, and he says that later. He's like, look at her. She's clearly drugged. She's clearly not of sound mind. She can't make this. Of course, she comes with a loudspeaker and starts saying all these things. Uh, as he does so, the Goemon slashes the altar. It falls down and we see Lupin being lifted up and his face is all wrapped up like a mummy. Uh, and he's clearly been badly injured, but he's still taking the, the count on. Nevertheless, uh, let's see the bishop. It goes, oh, my God, this stuff's going down. So he grabs Calarius and tries to protect her. Uh, Lupin tells the audience she's been drugged. They, and, of course, uh, the Count's like, fuck, I just don't care anymore. Kill him. And they just, in front of everyone, just stabbed the shit out of uh, Lupin. But, of course, uh, it's not Lupin. Uh, his his body explodes and all the counterfeit currency pops out. And then the bishop reaches over and snatches the ring from the Count. And it's been Wolf the entire time, uh, which is great because now you know the the, set, the wedding can't be legitimized because he's not a real bishop unless he has done some weird <laughs> shit that I don't know about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He pulls a Fred and George Weasley, uh, Weasley as he lights off a bunch of fireworks inside the main hall. Uh, Fujiko, of course, uh, jacks one of the assassins and turns the camera back on so she can keep filming. Uh, Zenigata rolls in and all hell breaks loose. Uh, Zenigata, this is the best scene in this whole movie where Zenigata is like, Fujiko's just narrating this like the wide world of sports. And Zenigata's <laughs> pointing. She goes, ah, he's pointing down to something. He's like, I don't know. what's. The, I think Wolf went down here and everyone's watching at home. They're like, he didn't go down there. What the hell is Zenigata <laughs> playing at? And then they go downstairs it. and he's like, oh, my God. Oh. I Oh, ring. This? I discovered Weird. this perfectly on accident through no fault of my own. Uh, such a good well, moment. Well, yeah, I mean, they also had that awesome line, um, but prior to you know when all the money is burning and everything, and uh, Zenigata's down there with Lupin. And that's when they have like that little truce moment, and he's like, "I won't collude with you, or whatever." But then right. Zenigata's like, "They're like, we need to go, we need to go." And Zenigata's like, "I need proof. I need proof that this right. is happening down here." And so this is the perfect moment for him to sort of uh, shine a light on all this. I, I love all of this. It's so good. Yeah. And to, and to back that up, of course, they cut back to all the corrupt politicians and foreign leaders. And they go, we'll never cover this up just to let the audience know that the jig is up. Uh, Jigen, of course, covers Wolf and Clarice with his just comically massive sniper rifle. <laughs> and I love the image of him in the fedora with the sniper rifle and then going on with his samurai sword. I'm like, that's yeah. just dope. Really uh, before is. they escape, of course, Clarice runs back to them. Uh, which I think has a, is a very endearing moment. If you watch in Japanese, she basically just like thanks them um, for for like being honorable and like saving her. Uh, and she's like, there's, so she calls Jigen noble Jigen, and he's like, nobody has ever called me that before. And like, you just tell that like Goemon and Jigen have never like no one's ever no one ever gives them props because Goemon just goes fucking nuts and jumps down into the middle of all these assassins, and he's like, it's unfortunate for you guys because my blade is very thirsty tonight. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm uh, like, I all say, right, well. in, in the dub, the her saying goodbye to them s- seemed really odd in the sense that, like, right. it sounded like she was like, she knew they were signing up for death. Yeah, she was like, I love you so much. Or like, it was really over the top. And yeah. I was like, yeah. Okay. It, in the, really when you watch thankful. it, when you watch it sub, she just says, like, I can never repay this debt that you guys have. You saved my life. Like, it's a debt of honor that I owe you or something like that now. It's a lot. It's a lot less like childish, I think. Um mm-hmm. Of course, out on the water, Clarice tells Lupin the rest of the prophecy. Fortune shall be yours when vision is restored to the one who faces sunrise. And then Lupin goes, I have figured it out. Uh, the Count catches up to them as they climb the clock tower. Uh, Lupin tries to pull a gun. Uh, and this is, by the way, this is the first time Lupin ever pulls out a gun in the entire movie. And it immediately gets melted by Andy. Lasers. Lasers again. Oh, sorry. My mic was muted. Lasers. Lasers. <laughs> okay, it's terrifying. They can melt metal, Andy. 
quick and they can pierce through your eye. I like how it melted the gun, but it didn't melt the bars. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Pin down. They jump on the gears and uh, run up to the top of the bell tower. One poor son of a bitch just gets smashed to death. And that was that part Kevin was talking about earlier. Awesome. Terrifying. Yeah. This scene went from like, oh, everything's fun to like, oh, shit, the stakes are real. Because yeah, he, yeah. Uh, like, pulls her away and hide, like, don't see. And it, and it just... Yeah, don't look, don't yeah. look. <laughs> also, on top of uh, that, like, this is a perfect example of, like, these animators and just designers trying to push themselves. Where it's like, there didn't need to be this many gears in this scene. Right. And, like, no. the, the Maybe... choreography didn't need to be this, like, over the top and ridiculous. Like, when they get to the big gear and they're both fighting each other. And right. it's constantly going, so they have to be constantly moving. Yeah. That means they needed to animate that. They could have just not no. done that. And it's like that. I love those little elements because you can always tell when a creator's like, no, fuck, fuck that. I'm making it harder for myself because yeah. it's going to yeah. it's going to make it that much more unique lamp, and that man. much more more cool. You know, it reminds me a lot of uh, Shanghai Nights. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good pull. That's a good pull. When are we yeah, doing we have that? the fun scene where they're um, <laughs> Lupin, of course, is fighting the count with the wrench. And they're on the two uh, like uh, gears that are rotating opposite. Mm-hmm. So as they come together, they clink and they go back and they clink. Um, and then, of course, the whole thing culminates with uh, the Count uh, getting the better of Lupin. He gets knocked into some gears and he chases uh, Clarice out onto the face of the clock. And again, this is another one of those moments where I'm like, it's so beautifully animated because I get I start getting like, holy shit, they're really high up there. Um, she reaches, of course, uh, the tip of the minute hand as the Count. And the count kind of like chases her out and he demands the ring and you get the the, figure, the, the thought like, okay, she's not going to give into this guy. She's just going to jump. Of course, uh, Wolf Wolf pops out and he's like, listen, I, I know the answer to the riddle. Uh, if you let her go, I'll give you these two rings. And it's basically you just put them up in that goat's eyes, which thankfully someone has built a cute little staircase that goes right up to the goat. Uh, so you're like a little ladder in bricks. So you don't even have to worry about this. But he stands on the edge of the hour hand and then lets him kind of come to him. Of course, uh, the Count's like, you know what? Or I could just shoot you with my finger rockets and <laughs> kill you both and just no one's none the wiser, even though I've just tried to commit murder on national television and everyone knows I'm a counterfeiter. So I probably should be running right now, but I still want this treasure. Uh, he blasts Lupin, who uh, falls off almost hanging on edge. Uh, and then I think Clarice attacks him. Uh, she tries to stop him from killing Wolf, but gets knocked over. And then Wolf just says, screw it, and dives off, grabs her, tucks to both their heads as they plunge into the water below. Uh, and the count climbs up. Now, do you guys think that Lupin knew what was going to happen here, and that's why he makes the count do it, or do you think this is just how it turned out? I think it's just how it turned out. Yeah, I got yeah. that vibe too. Yeah, because uh, the count, of course, climbs up and puts both of the rings in the goat head, uh, and then everything starts going crazy. And the minute hand and the hour hand uh, come back, and they converge upon midnight, which, of course, has the unfortunate or fortunate effect of just crushing, crushing the count in the middle. Of how would you it. avoid that? Like jump in the water like Lupin did. I think he got one way out of that. I thought thought he could have just grabbed on like one. Yeah, like also, yeah. He was he was too far gone when his like body was being contorted and shit. Like, oh my god, that was that was was really really something interesting yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the clock tower of course rings as the aqueduct below explodes and the tower it's the, the clock tower itself sinks into the water and then the next day as the sun rises wolf and clary's walk 
out to discover that the lake has been drained. Uh, and in its place, they see a vast ancient Roman city, which Wolf explains is the priceless treasure for all mankind, except for Wolf, because it's too big, as he says, to carry with him. Uh, and he's like, well, it sucks for me. Of course, Lupin watches as Interpol officers start parachuting in. And he's like, that's my cue to leave. But Clarice wants him. Uh, she wants to go with him. She loves him. But Lupin knows that he's not the kind of guy she should go for. He says, you don't want to get mixed up with a thief just as you're starting a wonderful new life. Uh, she tries to kiss him, of course, and he stops her and instead kisses her on the forehead because he loves her like a sister, apparently. Uh, Carl and the groundskeeper catch up to her. Uh, they wave as Jigen and Goemon pull up in the Fiat. And Lupin jumps in and waves goodbye. Moments later, Zenigata catches up. And Clarice tells him that she, he should not be trying to arrest Wolf. He should be rewarding Wolf. But Zenigata says, nope. Uh, he tells her that Lupin came here to steal something, and I think he succeeded. He succeeded in stealing your heart. And it is therefore my duty to catch him. Line. I love it. I Dude, love I like it. it. I'm such a stupid romantic. He, goes, he stole your. He, he just needs to go after Wolf. He's like, I gotta catch him. I gotta he catch him. The reason, yeah. And yeah, basically, yeah. But you get that moment where he's like, he kind of salutes her and goes after. Like, I got. The, of, it's all part of the adventure. I got the feeling that uh, that Lupin sort of had a stage five clinger moment with <laughs> with uh, <laughs> with her because he was like, oh, like now this is a real. She's like, I'll be a thief if I have to, and he's yeah, like, nah. Nah. Good. I'm good. Gotta do my own thing, man. <laughs> uh, Zenigata and uh, and and all of his men roll out uh, and wave to the princesses. So they disappear, and then Fujiko, of course, as uh, as as the, the team is riding in their Fiat, Fujiko pulls up on a dope ass motorcycle, and he's like, "Sorry, this was a bus." She goes, "I got what I came for," and he looks down and sees the counterfeit plates in her satchel, and then she just immediately jets off as Zenigata catches up to them, uh, and then the camera, of course, pans up as the infect- inspector chases Wolf into the horizon. And they like caught up to them. (laughs) (laughs) Like when you look at it, it's like they surround him. It's like, oh, he's I guess he's done for. (laughs) He's done. (laughs) That's it for them. Seven syllables in the middle. You'll need five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, no need to fret it. Haikus don't need to rhyme. Haiku Haiku in review. Haiku in review. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to write your review in haiku form, uh, just like Sam Mosher did. Sam says, what a fun first flick. Not as deep as later films, but lasers are cool. Lasers are cool. And the quote that, uh, I, the, the quote I wrote down today uh, from Nick is, uh, if you were born in the 80s, it's not about if you are paranoid about lasers. It's about if you're paranoid <laughs> enough. <laughs> in this case, la- lasers are a good that. thing. Lasers what, what? are a good. Lasers are a good thing in Tim's case, actually. Yeah, exactly. now because they've been used for good. Well, you know? if you Just were like born... nuclear energy is a good thing, but back in the eighties, it was terrifying. Everyone thought it was horrible. <laughs> if you were born in the nineties, lasers were cool, right? Like, I yeah. feel like we were taught oh, totally. that like, lasers are the dopest. Yeah. yeah. Mo Betta Mark says Lupin is the wolf. Started off chasing diamonds, wound up stealing hearts. Oh, uh, love that. Yeah. Neo Cho says feel good anime music gets me every time. Trust the thief's magic. Man, I just so I just cannot wait for the rest of this damn series. I'm so excited for the rest of this. Uh, I'm excited. For, I'm really excited for Mononoke because that's one that I saw when I was 15, maybe. And and it's it's, it's, it's violent and magical and awesome. It's super like, oh, violent and wait. so epic. Yeah. Air Barber says, "What am I missing? This movie was only fine. Who are these people?" Oh. Oh, <laughs> no, uh, is, Tim, uh, Tim, you forgot to read the rest of that where he's like, JK, this movie's dope. Lasers are scary. <laughs> Engine 25, the last one for today. <laughs> Wait, says, a just solid... ending with haiku is great, Nick. <laughs> That's how you got to do it. 
That's how you got to do it, Kev. A solid fun film. Watch the magic I expect from Ghibli movies. Well, we have many, many more to get to to see if we we get some of that magic for you. Um, You know what it sort of reminds me of? It reminds me of... um, It reminds me of, like, when J.J. Abrams makes a Mission Impossible movie or when Brad Bird makes a Mission Impossible movie. And, it's Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's these sort of big directors kind of taking on a, a different franchise and putting their own spin on it. Not, not that I know anything about the loop in the, the third franchise, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's cool that, you know, these big names were working on stuff that wasn't necessarily their own IP. I, I'm really I was, into that. Concept. I was trying to explain it to, to Gia cause she had, she's never seen any of these. Well, I guess she saw Totoro when she was little, but like she doesn't understand what a Miyazaki movie is necessarily and definitely doesn't know loop and anime is not her thing. And I was trying to explain it to her, and it was it was kind of tough to be like, okay, yeah, this it's not Studio Ghibli because it wasn't formed yet. This was his first movie, but it's someone else's thing. It's not his ideas and stuff. And I was like, it's kind of like it's Taika Waititi and Thor Ragnarok, where it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. there's these are it's an established thing, but it's like right with that's a good, real that's a tone and vibe that is unique to to their vision. Yeah, and I, I I of course the the logo treatment and everything that I did for Ghibli in review, uh, and even that Cameron Kennedy worked on, which I took a lot of. Um, influence from I th- there's no logo for Miyazaki so that's why I just made it Studio Ghibli interview like yeah. Miyazaki doesn't have a logo necessarily well I'm calling it like the whole thing's being called Studio Ghibli Miyazaki in review so it's okay. like it's, there's some cool. more context there anyways we're not going to do Ragu Bagu for this because and we're not even going to do Ragu Gugu <laughs> I mean, we can if you want it, but I, I think I that care. for this, what would make more sense for the, the Miyazaki movies would just be doing an MVP where who, who mm. do you think is the MVP of, of or what is the MVP of this movie? I, I mean, I think Wolf is. I don't know. Opinion. I feel like I feel like the protagonist, it's too easy to make the protagonist the, the MVP. Yeah. You I know? Sometimes they deserve it, though. Yeah, MVP. but I like, the, I like the Fujiko. girl with the grenades. Yeah, Fujiko. Fujiko yeah. Mine, okay. right? Belinda, what are you saying? I said I like Jigen a lot in this, like as a sidekick that's like yeah. super supportive and was like, you know, let's let's go. Like he's a ride or die. Yeah. But did he? Yeah. Was he the the most valuable player? You know. I mean, he had a giant sniper rifle. Fujiko was. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I would, I would actually, she if, saved if we're not the day. The I give it to Fujiko because Fujiko was the one that brought them all back together mm-hmm. and kind of had the plan. Not know? only that, so. at the end, she wins. Like she gets what she was coming for. Yeah, I'm like, she's balling out now. Fujiko. She's calling those plates for a I couple mil. Balling Andy? out. Uh, I'll give it to Fujiko as well. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I love. I also love her just piecing out at the end with the flying like device it's so ridiculous i like how she has her own she has her own agenda the whole time like Mm -hmm. she's not part of this she's just like she's down yeah you know and i'm also she's probably i'm also probably just always gonna lean towards giving the mvp to a side character just i i I just like that as an idea yeah i get like i just feel like especially in a movie like this where it's like lupin is just a cool guy it's too easy to be like oh yeah lupin gets it you know, yeah. Dude, Double she, seven she can't be the MVP every time. She, she ends up in like she ends up in like tiger stripe camouflage at the end with like a <laughs> submachine gun Uzi just strapped around her shoulder. There's no it's question. Cool. It's, it's, it's so and a motorcycle yeah. and a motorcycle with the plates. She gets out. She made she made it out better than everyone else in the movie for sure. She goes to so, grenades yeah. so quick. <laughs> Kevin, that would be you. Yeah, like, Kevin, let's open the door. I got the a grenade done. for it. No, I have the key. I have the key. <laughs> so uh here we go obviously castle cagliostro currently number one uh next week we will return um which actually i don't even know which the next movie is 
Do any of you know off the top of your head? I have no idea. Uh, according to your thing, it's Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind. And the Valley, Valley of the Wind. wind. Yeah. There you go. Um, so that is going to be next Friday's. Next Tuesday, uh, we have Memento for our Nolan Ooh. review. So that's exciting, that's too. I uh, haven't seen that either. So it's going to be a fun week for me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, again, patreon.com slash kind of funny. If you want to write your haikus, then that we would really very much appreciate. Maybe Nick will change it, remix it. Who the hell knows? Um, if I hopefully there's it, some lasers in Nazvika for you, Nick. But <laughs> I, I, I don't think there are. Uh, Belinda, for now. thank you for joining us for this. We will of see course. you again next week. Until next, next time. Love you guys.